Brethren, I invite you to turn in your copies of the Scriptures to 2 Samuel chapter 20 as we proceed through the final chapters of the book of 2 Samuel, the life of David as king in Israel. I'm going to read the whole chapter. It's a lengthy chapter. My guess is it may be that none of you have ever heard a sermon from this chapter of the Bible. Uh, It's not often preached from when I took a little perusal of uh, sermonaudio.com. Few sermons have ever been preached from this chapter in recent years. So uh, this may be a a new experience for you all. But we'll read through the chapter and then I'll begin uh, commenting on it. Hear once again the very word of God. And there happened to be there a rebel whose name was Sheba, the son of Bichri, a Benjamite. And he blew a trumpet and said, We have no share in David, nor do we have inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his tent, O Israel. So every man of Israel deserted David and followed Sheba, the son of Bichri. But the men of Judah, from the Jordan as far as Jerusalem, remained loyal to their king. Now David came to his house at Jerusalem. And the king took the ten women, his concubines, who he he had left to keep the house, and put them in seclusion and supported them, but did not go into them. So they were shut up to the day of their death, living in widowhood. And the king said to Amasa, Assemble the men of Judah for me within three days, and be present here yourself. So Amasa went to assemble the men of Judah, but he delayed longer than the set time which David had appointed him. And David said to Abishai, Now Sheba the son of Bichri will do us more harm than Absalom. Take your Lord's servants and pursue him, lest he find for himself fortified cities and escape us. So Joab's men with the Cherethites and the Pelethites and all the mighty men went out after him. And they went out of Jerusalem to pursue Sheba, the son of Bichri. Then they were at the large stone, which is, at, is in Gibeon. Amasa came before them. Now Joab was dressed in battle armor. On it was his belt with a sword fastened in its sheath at his hips. And as he was going forward, it fell out. Then Joab said to Amasa, Are you in health, my brother? And Joab took Amasa by the beard with his right hand to kiss him. But Amasa did not notice the sword that was in Joab's hand. And he struck him with with the sword in the stomach, and his entrails poured out on the ground. And he did not strike him again. Thus he died. Then Joab and Abishai, his brother, pursued Sheba, the son of Bichri. Meanwhile, one of Joab's men stood near Amasa and said, Whoever favors Joab, whoever is for David, follow Joab. But Amasa wallowed in his his blood in the middle of the highway, and when the man saw that all the people stood still, he moved Amasa from the highway to the field and threw a garment over him when he saw that everyone who came upon him halted. When he was removed from the highway, all the people went on after Joab to pursue Sheba, the son of Bichri. And he went through all the tribes of Israel to Abel, at, at Beth Mahaka and all the Barites. So they were gathered together and also sent for Sheba. Then they came and besieged him at Abel of Beth Mahaka, and they cast up a siege mound against the city and stood by the rampart. 
and all the people who were with Joab battered the wall to throw it down. Then a wise man or wise woman cried out from the city, Here, here, please say to Joab, Come nearby that I may speak with you. And when he had come near to her, the woman said, Are you Joab? He answered, I am. Then she said to him, Hear the words of your maidservant. And he answered, I am listening. So she spoke, saying, They used to talk in former times, saying, They shall surely seek guidance at Abel, and so they would end disputes. I am among the peaceable and faithful in Israel. You seek to destroy a city and a mother in Israel. Why would you swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? And Joab answered and said, Far be it, far be it from me that I should swallow up or destroy. That is not so. But a man from the mountains of Ephraim, Sheba, the son of Bichri by name, has raised his hand against the king, against David. Deliver him only, and I will depart from the city. So the woman said to Joab, Watch, his head will be thrown to you over the wall. Then the woman in her wisdom went to all the people, and they cut off the head of Sheba, the son of Bichri, and threw it out to Joab. Then he blew a trumpet, and they withdrew from the city, every man to his tent. So Joab returned to the king at Jerusalem. And Joab was over the army of Israel. Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, was over the Cherethites and the Pelethites. Adoram was in charge of revenue. Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahulud, was recorder. Sheba was scribe. Zadok and Abiathar were the priests. And Ira, the Jerite, was the chief minister under David. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, without the wisdom of your scriptures enlightening us to the events that have taken place that are recorded here in the passage, without the work of the Holy Spirit guiding and directing our thoughts and our intents, we would remain far from the truths contained here. But Father, we pray that you would open our eyes and our ears to this portion of your word, which is altogether true and right, filled with righteousness and instruction, and beneficial to the sanctification of your people. Build up our faith as we look into this passage. Show us these truths that you've recorded for posterity from ages past to ages yet unseen. And we give thanks for it. And we pray these things in the name of our dear Savior, Jesus Christ. And amen. Well, brethren, you may recall two weeks ago, we saw David return to Jerusalem, grief-stricken, at the death of his son Absalom. Absalom had rebelled against his father and attempted a coup d'etat, and that coup d'etat failed. Despite David's desire that his armies preserve Absalom's life, Joab, David's general, disobeyed his orders and summarily executed Absalom while his head was lodged in the fork of a tree. Another profound uh, account from the, the scriptures. Last week, we saw King David return to Jerusalem and show mercy toward those who had rebelled against him. That grace is shown again in this chapter when David promotes Amasa. Absalom's general over Joab. That's one of the profound things that happens in this passage. 
Amasa is promoted over Joab, and Amasa had previously been Absalom's general. We'll look at that in more detail in a few minutes. What is most important for us to remember in our passage today is that God's prophecy in 2 Samuel 12, 7 through 12, continues to be filled. And you'll recall that that's the prophecy where Nathan uh, tells David that the sword will not leave the house of David because of his sin with Bathsheba. And he's cursed because of that. His life will be preserved, but the sword will not leave, leave his household. We often think of God not being slack concerning his promises of grace and mercy. But we must remember that he is also not slack concerning his promised judgments. Both lessons, God is not slack in grace, nor is he slack in judgment. Both of those lessons regarding God's promises are shown to us today in this passage. And this provides our very ever so brief outline for today. For today. God is not slack concerning his promises of judgment, or his promises of favor. Well, let's look at a brief summation of the passage. We're not familiar with the circumstances as as well as we could be, and so I want to help us understand the circumstances a bit better. The civil war between the ten northern tribes of Israel under the command of Absalom and the two tribes in the south, Judah and Benjamin, has come to an end with Absalom having been routed. Joab was David's general in that civil war, and he executed Absalom and returned from the battle to find David overwhelmed by grief. Joab chides David in 2 Samuel 19 for loving his enemy Absalom, his own son, more than those who gave their lives to protect, protect, protect David in the midst of the civil war. Joab brings that to David's attention. Wait a minute, you're, you're grieving over your enemy, Absalom, and you, you give no thought to those who gave their lives to protect you? Joab is correct and shrewd in this assessment, but he's a treacherous man, and that gives us the title of our sermon today. He has disobeyed David by killing Absalom, but endeavors to curry favor with David with this wise counsel. Hear the words of Joab as he chides David. This begins in verse 7 of the previous chapter, chapter 19. Now therefore arise, go out and speak comfort to your servants, for I swear by the Lord, if you do not go out, not one will stay with you this night, and that will be worse for you than all the evil that has befallen you from your youth until now. Then the king arose and sat in the gate, and they told all the people, saying, There is a king sitting in the gate. So all the people came before the king, for every one of Israel had fled to his tent. Last week I made mention that sitting in the gate, the, sitting at the gate was the place of judgment for Israel. And when the king sat there, he was judging the people, those who came in and went out. And he would give them his wisdom. <clears throat> David was stricken with grief, had no intention of going to the gate. Joab comes to him and says, if you don't go to the gate, these people are going to leave and you'll never see them again. They're not going to follow you for any reason. You've just conquered your enemy, Absalom, 
Go to the people and let them understand that God has blessed you in this. So David goes to the gate. Joab warns David that if he doesn't show kingly favor to his people and continues to mourn for Absalom, not one of his servants will remain with him, and it will be worse for him than all the evil that has befallen him from his youth until now. Brethren, Joab would know about the evil that had befallen David in his youth. Remember, it was Joab who had placed Uriah the Hittite, Bathsheba's husband, at the front of the battle with the Philistines, and then withdrew at the command of David so that Uriah would die in battle. You see, Joab Joab had conspired with David to bring about Uriah's death, that he might have Bathsheba as his own wife. And so David's sins are well known to Joab, and I suspect, though I have, we have nothing from scriptures that teach us explicitly this, that Joab uses this to control David. When David finally makes his way back to Jerusalem in, in chapter 19, another rebel awaits him. This rebel is Sheba, the son of Bichri, a Benjamite. Now you may recall at the end of chapter 19, the ten northern tribes of Israel are bickering with the tribe of Judah over who has the greater number of shares in King David as if he's some kind of corporation that's divided up into shares. It's a kind of an odd way to put it, but that's the way the scriptures put it. The ten tribes, northern tribes of Israel say, we have more shares in King David than you have. Yet the Bible records that the words of Judah, the men of Judah, were fiercer than the words of the men of Israel. And so these men are bickering back and forth, and the largest tribe in Israel, Judah, has, has men that are fiercer in words than the northern ten tribes. Conspicuously absent from this bickering is the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin was the smallest of all the tribes in Israel and lived in the shadow of the tribe of Judah. Yet it is from this inconspicuous tribe that Sheba, the son of Bichri, rebels against David. He comes out of nowhere. Uh, Unknown to everyone, seemingly, but he rallies the people of Israel to follow him. Sheba, Sheba's rebellion was not like that of Absalom. When Absalom rebelled, he wanted the throne of all Israel and sought, sought to dethrone David by killing him. Sheba, on the other hand, his rebellion appears to be more of a secessionist movement. He wanted to lead 11 tribes out of Israel and leave David with the tribe of Judah. There is no mention of Sheba trying to take David's life, and therefore several commentators believe Sheba was merely a secessionist. We understand what that is in America, don't we? We know what secessionism is. Eleven tribes desert David and throw in with Sheba. Now David is shrewd. He appoints Amasa, Absalom's general, to command his troops. Amasa had previously led the armies of Israel against David. Yet David tells Amasa to assemble his army in three days and go after Sheba, the rebel. Amasa hesitates. We don't know why. It may have been he's trying to figure out, who do I back here? Do I back Sheba? After all, I led the armies of Israel against David previously. Or do I stay with David? 
We don't know what's causing his hesitation, but he hesitates. And David sees that. Amasa had previously led the armies of Israel, and David tells Amasa to assemble the, uh, his army in three days. David wants a mighty blow struck against Sheba, but his chosen general hesitates, and the scriptures are silent as to why Amasa hesitates. But that hesitation will cost uh, Amasa his life. David then calls upon Abishai, his nephew and the brother of Joab, to take command of assembling the army to pursue Sheba. I want us to notice two things. First, David hasn't deposed Amasa. He's just reassigned to Abishai the assembling of the troops because we see Amasa taking the troops uh, into battle at Gibeon uh, where Joab is going to kill him. The second thing I want us to take notice of is that David has left Joab out of command of his troops or even assembling the men. It would have been natural to say, Joab, you're going to take the army, you're going to go after Sheba, and you're going to bring him to an end. But Joab isn't even mentioned until they get to the battlefield. Two generals have been chosen over the treacherous Joab, but this does not stop Joab from inserting himself into the circumstance. He's a cunning man. He's a treacherous man. And we're going to see that in just a moment. Once on the battlefield, Joab connivingly stands with Amasa before the hostilities begin in verse 8. Joab then betrays Amasa, seemingly with a kiss. We know someone else who was betrayed by a kiss, don't we? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Amasa is betrayed with a kiss. Joab pulls out his sword and disembowels Amasa, the major general, in verse 9. This is Joab's modus operandi, by the way. This is his, the way he does things. In the first civil war, think way back, Joab murders Abner in 2 Samuel chapter 3. Who was Abner? Abner was Ishbosheth's general, who David had worked out a peace arrangement with, and Joab was left on the outs. So what does Joab do? He murders Abner. In, the Absal- in Absalom's rebellion, Joab disobeys David by killing Absalom in 2 Samuel 18. Remember, Absalom has the beautiful locks of hair. He's riding through the Ephraim forest. He gets his head stuck in the fork of a tree. Likely his hair got wrapped around the branches. And he's hanging between heaven and earth. And lo and behold, along comes Joab to slay him. Here, Joab assassinates David's newly appointed general, Amasa. This man is ruthless and has shown that if anyone stands in his way as commander of David's armies, Joab will take matters into his own hands and kill that person. This creates for David a serious problem. Joab knows the sins of David's youth. He knows of the skeletons in David's closet. David is trying to lessen Joab's influence, but Joab continues to insert his murderous self into any circumstance that would threaten his leadership of David's armies. Now, 
I want to stop here just briefly. There's no indication from the scriptures that Joab actually wants to rule over Israel. It's not like he's trying to replace David. He just wants the power that David has through the hand of God in the army. That's all he seems like he wants. And David will not deal with Joab before his death. He'll leave that work to his son and future king, Solomon. That's another sermon for another day. Now I want to mention some geography before I get to the applications. The battle at Gibeon takes place directly west of Jerusalem in the land of the Benjamites. This is where Sheba is from. Sheba is routed in that battle and flees to what he believes is safer territory in the north among the ten tribes of Israel. Abel, the city he flees to, is a walled city in the north. And it's in one of the most northerly territories of all of Israel. In in other words, he flees as far away as he can get from Jerusalem. And it's in the the land of of, uh, the tribe of Naphtali. Joab lays siege to that city in verses 14 and 15 and threatens to destroy it to capture or kill Sheba. He builds a siege work up against the walls of the city and he begins to to batter the walls to knock them down. He's, He's relentless. He is going after Sheba and he is going to get him. Now, an unnamed woman, a wise woman from Abel, asks for time to give Joab Sheba's head. Abel was apparently known as a place of wisdom. I don't know if it was a place of uh, teaching, but it was a place that was sought out by, sought out by the, the northern tribes to find wisdom. And this woman makes mention of that in her appeal to Joab. It's a very poetic kind of appeal to Joab. Could you give us some time? We will give you Sheba's head, but don't kill myself or destroy what God has given to his people, the inheritance. This is part of the inheritance for the land of Naphtali. And Joab backs up. Here's a woman who has wisdom and brings it to bear in the mind of Joab, and he hesitates ever so slightly. Well, the time is granted, and soon the disembodied head of Sheba is launched over the wall of Abel, and Joab retreats in victory, verses 16 through 22. Brethren, truth is more dramatic than fiction. You can't make these things up. And yet it happened, and God records it for us. A man's disemboweled, another man's beheaded, and his head thrown over the the walls of a city. This is gruesome stuff. And yet... It's intentional for us who are believers in Christ to follow these events. You're saying, Pastor Hickey, how do we follow these events? (laughs) What do we do now? Well, I hope that I'll give you some wisdom. I hope to give you some wisdom on what I think God is teaching us here. Sheba is a rebel against God's anointed. Though he seemingly is not out to kill David, David rightly discerned.